going to be looking in John chapter 4 tonight, uh, talk about different, uh, we're going to talk about a different kind of food. John chapter 4, verse 29, this part at least should be familiar, but really I think all of this text will be familiar to you. Uh, a different kind of food, verse 29, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. A different kind of food. Now, Jesus is going to go quickly to show them exactly what kind of food this was. Verse 33, therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I have food to eat of which you do not know. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so Jesus makes it clear then for us that this different kind of food, the food he had, uh, the food that he had that they didn't know about, was actually doing the work. Doing the work of God then was food to him, was nourishment to him. And at that moment in time, it was something obviously that was critically important. I want us to consider this passage tonight under three uh, basic headings. And the first one is this. I, I want us to see the satisfaction that Jesus puts before them that this different kind of food brings. And remember that different kind of food he's identified as the work of the Father. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, we've all perhaps felt the satisfaction that comes from doing what we were supposed to do of setting out to accomplish a task, being assigned a task to do and we can look at it and say that the work is finished. I'll be honest with you, I have often envied uh, farmers, for example. And Nancy and I have had this conversation many, many times driving down the road. Wouldn't it be great to be a farmer? And the thing that I envy a farmer about the most is, is he can set out to do a work, and then at the end of the day, he can look back at it and say, yes, I did it. I plowed that field. It's ready to plant. I got it planted. Whatever it was that he set out to do, it can be done, and he can look back at the end of the day and see that it's done. In a similar way, I envy those who are builders, and uh, especially if I was going to be in the building business, I'd want to be a frame and carpenter. And the reason is because, of course, they get done in a hurry. The last person in the world I'd want to be is a painter. No offense to any of you who are painters by trade. I don't know of any painters that we have in the church, but my goodness, those guys take forever, forever. And you 
walk in and it doesn't seem like anything's been done when you're looking at that. And man, you know, so much taping to do, so much cutting in to do, so much tedious little work. I like the kind of work where you can do a whole lot today and then look back at it and say, yeah, that's been done. I like it. There's satisfaction from starting a task, knowing what you have to do, and getting that work accomplished. We know that feeling. And certainly we could identify it within that sense of what Jesus is talking about when he would say, uh, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Uh, But the disciples were missing it because they were still saying, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Now remember, uh, John chapter 4 begins with Jesus saying, I must needs go through Samaria. And then when he arrives there at, at this village, then it's about lunchtime. And he sends the disciples, or the disciples go into the village then to get food. It's about lunch. They were going to go in, find somewhere. Hopefully there was somewhere uh, to buy food. I I couldn't help but think this week. It's hard to imagine a world without Walmart and Dollar Generals. I mean, it's just family dollars. Uh, You know, it wasn't like there was a, a big marketplace in every town, but there was usually something. Somebody had something for sale. So they went there uh, to scrounge around, look around, go to the marketplace. It was lunchtime. It would be a natural play time for them to be able to pick up something to eat. In the meantime, of course, you'll remember the story. That's when the woman at the well, in that unusual time, because they usually came to get water at the beginning of the day, In that unusual time, then, the woman at the well showed up. Lunchtime. And Jesus then asked her that great, great, great question. uh, You know, give me a drink. (laughs) Such a common thing. Hey, I, I want a drink. Oh, but man, didn't it catch her off guard. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask water of me, a Samaritan woman? Now, you have to understand. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with this, but... I thought I'd tell you again tonight, just to bring it again to your memory. Remember that when an Orthodox Jew in this time had to pass through the land of Samaria, when he got on the other side, he would shake off his clothes, pull off his shoes, and beat his shoes to get the dirt off of Samaria, off of his shoes. Because they didn't want to take the dirt from that defiled place they thought of as Samaria Into the holy land of Judea or Galilee. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And the Samaritans didn't like the Jews very much either. This was a long-standing, seething hostility that existed between them. If you can imagine such a thing going on in that land. Oh my, yeah. They still have some long-standing, seething hostilities going on between the Jews and their neighbors. Well, that that kind of stuff's been going on over there around that land for a long, long time. And it was happening in Jesus' day. We could translate this into a different time and imagine it's the Jews and the Palestinians. Suddenly it makes sense to us. The Jews have no dealings with the Palestinians. The Palestinians have no dealings with the Jews. Yeah, they don't like each other very much. Well, then it was the Samaritans. So the... Disciples come back and they have the food. Meanwhile, the woman has gone back into the village and said, Come see a man who told me all things ever I had done. Is not this the Christ? And the men from the city, the people from the city had come out to to the well to where Jesus was. This 
strange Jewish visitor who seemed to be a prophet at least, but this woman had declared him to be the Messiah. So in the midst of this gathering crowd then, the disciples were insistent, look, we brought you food, it's time to eat. But there was something more pressing than their need for food. Now, the fact is that there's not many of us who couldn't stand to miss a meal every now and then. I, I certainly profess mine, unless you're diabetic and hyperglycemic, in which case a well-regulated diet is crucial for you. I understand that. But for most of us, missing a meal uh, is not going to hurt us all that much. But let's understand that this situation is not just about food. The disciples had gone to get food. They came back with food, and now they're telling Jesus, Jesus, uh, you know, here's a crowd. There were crowds around them all the time. And we can understand then why they're pressing Jesus. Listen, this is it's time to eat. We need to stop and eat. Uh, but Jesus said, no, I, I've got food to eat that you don't know about. But he's going to go on and tell them that there was something more pressing, something that was more important. Remember, this is the same Jesus that said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus reminded us that not only do we need physical food, but our soul needs food too. And I think about that every time I see a sign on a, on a restaurant that said soul food. I, I saw a new one go up in Little Rock last week, just not long ago. I'm sure it's been there a while, but it's new to me. Um, I hope it's okay to say that. It is okay to say that. It's on the sign on the restaurant. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Our spirits need nourishment every bit as much as our body does. I've always loved that Old Testament story when the children of Israel despised the manna. And there was something prophetic about that. Remember Jesus to say, I'm the bread of life. I am that manna that comes down from heaven. That manna represented Jesus Christ. When the Jews then despised that manna, they got tired of the manna. They didn't want manna anymore. They wanted something else. They started remembering the cucumbers of all things and the onions that they had back in, in Egypt of all things. Here's the bread from heaven and all they could think about was cucumbers and onions. I mean, can you imagine being around those folks after supper? I mean, my goodness. Oh. But there they were. Despising the manna from heaven. That was a prophetic thing because that's exactly, of course, what they would do. I am. I, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead, he said. So I am that bread from heaven. That's just a few chapters over in this same epistle. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. To go back to that Old Testament story then, and you'll see that time when they despised the manna. What did they begin to do? God said, we want some meat, so God sent them quail. Remember that? And, and that covey of quail come by, and they just killed them, killed them, and killed them, and they ate them, and ate them, and ate them, and, until they got sick. Remember the story? Um. You know, they tell me that quail are still in short supply. <laughs> One has nothing to do with the other. I just, that's my ADD at work tonight. Sorry. It's, uh, <clears throat> they ate quail and ate quail and ate quail and 
ate quail. The psalmist talked about it in Psalm 106, verse 15. God gave them a request, but he sent leanness into their soul. See, it presents a strange reality of having a full belly, but a starved soul. Of being well nourished physically, but starving spiritually. But remember that the satisfaction that Jesus talked about was not just in knowing about biblical truth. You see, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But we often forget the live part. Somehow or another, we substituted no in that passage when Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That is, we live by the word of God. It's not about just the accumulation of biblical facts. It's not about just how much we know about the Bible. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Do them. You see, it's not just the word as wonderful as the word is to us. It's the work. It is doing. (laughs) Doing, living out that truth. That makes a difference. That's what Jesus said was satisfying to him. I have meat to eat that you don't know of. What was that meat? It was the soul satisfying meat. That gave him more than physical nourishment could have given him. The soul satisfying meat of doing the work that God sent him into the world to do. And looking forward to the time when he'd finish it and get to go home. And to finish his work. I could not help but think as I looked at this passage this week. Of what it must have been like for Jesus Christ, the holy son of God. The sinless son of God. The righteous one. To live in this filthy, sinful world. The Bible says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed living in Sodom. Can you imagine how Jesus' righteous soul was vexed? We can't imagine. But I can tell you this. He was anticipating the time when his work would be finished. To finish his work. He looked, he lived his life under the awareness that he had come to do something. And that he was going to do it. And as he accomplished those things that he came here to do. Obviously one of those things was happening there at Jacob's well in a Samaritan village. When you read the account in John you'll notice that this was. One of the places where Jesus clearly identified himself as the Messiah. When Jesus said to this woman in this place. When she spoke of the Messiah. We know that the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah comes. He's going to show us all things. And Jesus said what? I that speak unto you am he. I am he. To this woman in this place. 
he very clearly identified himself as the Messiah. Obviously, part of what Jesus came into the world to do then was what was happening there on that uh, very obscure place, unusual place. There's satisfaction of soul then that came, a satisfaction of doing what he knew he was to do. And there's a satisfaction, folk, that is available to us as God's people tonight. As we know the truth, as we know the truth of God, as we learn the truth of Scripture, and we set out to live it, we do what we know to do. There's a satisfaction in that. Then the second part of this is the seeing of the work. Uh, There was satisfaction in the work, but they had to see it. Verse 35, do you not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Very next thing he said. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. A farmer may be unaware of a lot of things, but he never misses when his crop is ready to harvest. That's that's unthinkable that a farmer would have a crop get ready to harvest and he didn't know it. If you're a gardener, can you imagine letting your corn get ripe and, and not know it? Your butter beans get ripe, not know it. Your purple whole peas have all turned purple and are hanging off the vine. And you don't notice. Oh, wow, I guess I better get out there and start picking. No, it doesn't happen that way, does it? Why? Because you're looking at them constantly. Is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? Is it time? It's time. <laughs> So what was going on here when Jesus said, hey, lift up your eyes and look at the fields because they are already ready to harvest. That's an unusual thing. But the passage gives us something else because Jesus says that you're thinking that it is yet four months into the harvest. We say that it's not harvest time yet. They may have said that earlier when they were thinking about food. You know, if it was harvest time, the disciples and Jesus, were it was not unthinkable to them. In fact, it was something we know that they did as they would walk along by the fields and the roads. And they were just liable to go out there and pick them some and eat. That was called gleaning. They gleaned from the fields as they went around. That was a perfectly acceptable practice in biblical times. If you talk to some of the corn farmers over here a little bit further away from us, they'll tell you it's not that uncommon in our day either. Uh, They just pretty much count those couple of rows out there by the road is gone. And usually uh, that does happen sometime. But Jesus and the disciples, had it been harvest time, well, they they wouldn't have been asking about food. They could have just picked something, grabbed something up, and had something to eat. Uh, So maybe even earlier that day, somebody might have said, well, it's too bad it's not harvest time. We could just get something to eat. We wouldn't have to interact with these Samaritan people. But as it was, they had to go in the village and buy something. Don't you say there's still four months to the harvest time? It's not harvest time yet. Uh, Harvest time is pretty set and settled. It wasn't time for the fields to be mature. It wasn't time for the urgency of the harvest. We have to ask ourselves then tonight why Jesus would bring this up to the disciples in reference to what was going on at this well in Samaria. Theologically speaking, this would refer to the coming ministry. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me in Judea and where? 
Samaria was next. And then where? Under the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus would say, I'll not come except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That did not mean that he didn't have a Gentile ministry. He did. But obviously, there was coming a time when these disciples would be sent to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But that time wasn't there yet. Theologically, then Jesus would say, well, it's really really not harvest time yet. Not what it would be. But the laws of the harvest can change, and certainly the Lord of the harvest could change them. You know, harvest time here is springtime in another part of the world. Harvest time is planting time down under. And I think we can understand something about what was going on with these guys when Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're white already under the harvest. Certainly there was going to be an extraordinary Sumerian revival that was to come. Nobody knew that better than Jesus. But right now he calls these disciples who were saying, Master, eat, 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 eat. It's time to eat. And Jesus said, you know what? You're not all excited because you don't think it's harvest time yet, but I want you to look around you and the fields are white and harvest. Remember that the text very clearly says this woman went into the village and said, come see a man. And the men came out and then the disciples arrived saying, Master, eat. And Jesus said, you look around. It's harvest time. (laughs) It's harvest time. I want to show you a couple of things or share with you a couple of things tonight about this situation First of all, uh, they were in a field that they would never have recognized as a place for fruit. And that was Samaria. This was a despised land, an unholy land filled with unholy people. They had been raised all of their life uh, to uh, reject the Samaritans, to, uh, to, to fear them, to uh, just try to do everything they could to avoid them, to stay away from them. These were uh, a terrible, for the most part, they would have considered them to be unclean people. This is Samaria, an unclean land. Not the kind of place you'd go looking for harvest field to be ripe and ready. They were not in that place looking for fruit for the Messiah. They were not in that place looking for a field to harvest, a field of souls. They didn't see it that way until Jesus pointed it out to them. <laughs> Look around you guys. This is a harvest time, and it's ready to reap. The fields are white and harvest. And I wondered this week as I thought about this, I wonder how many times we find ourselves in a place where we don't think there's going to be a field for fruit. Wonder how many of the places that we go, how many of the encounters that we have, how many of uh, of, the, of the places where we find ourselves week after week and we don't think that this was a place for fruit. We never 
look around. You see, we won't get the urgency of the harvest until we see that the crop is ready. And then that brings us to the second thing. Not only was it a pl- were they in a place that they would have never recognized as a field for fruit, but also there was a crop ready for the harvest that they would have never noticed because not only were they in Samaria, but these were Samaritan people. Anybody knows the Samaritans are not going to believe in Israel's God. Some of you work around people every day uh, that you've long since given up any hope that they're ever going to trust in Jesus Christ. Have you even invited them to go to church? You don't think they're ever going to be interested. You don't think they're ever going to listen. You're around them. You know how they are. You've got to know them. You've got neighbors that you don't think are interested. You don't think that they're ever going to have any fruit there. There's ever going to be there. These are not the kind of people. (laughs) We even say it sometimes. Well, they're just not church people. Hmm. But Jesus said, look. Look. Because this field is ready for harvest. It is white unto harvest. And I'm here to tell you tonight that you and I, when we are following Jesus, the way we talked about something, and that's exactly what the disciples were doing, we may find ourselves in a place that doesn't look like uh, much of a fertile field. and We may find ourselves surrounded by a bunch of people, and they might not look very churchy. We may not think anything's going on. But if we'd lift up our eyes, if we'd look through heaven's eyes, we might find ourselves in the middle of a harvest field ready to be plucked. The big question for us tonight is, you know, are, are we really ready to take in those people? Are we really ready to reach out for them and harvest them? To bring in those Samaritans? Those people that aren't very churchy. Those people that are far from God. Are we really ready? Are we willing to open our hearts to them and bring them in? I want to tell you something tonight. Jesus Christ died for them. Same as he died for you and me. Their soul is precious to God. They can be discipled to Jesus Christ just like anybody. Oh, but they're Samaritans. Maybe we need to look at our neighborhoods around our community and other communities, other places. And, and you, know, you know what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, look around, and uh, even in our own community, here in Cabot, America, we can look around and, and think, oh, you know, those folks are druggy. They're druggy out there. And sometimes they are. Oh, those folks are are rough people out there. Sometimes they are. But they are not beyond the reach of the gospel. And Jesus said, look at it. (laughs) You're in the middle of a field ready to be harvested. And you're wanting to talk to me about eating lunch. Come on, it's, it's no time to break for lunch. You need to be looking at the field. This is an important time. And so, 
There's the satisfaction that Jesus talked about of the work. My food is to do the work of him that sent me and to finish it. But they needed to see the work. Jesus saw it, but they didn't. They needed to see the work. And then there's the significance of the work that Jesus describes. Verse 36. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored, others have labored, and you've entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Hmm. The significance of the work. The first thing that Jesus talked about is that he that reaps, and remember he said, you lift up your eyes, the harvest is ready, the field is ripe unto harvest, it's time to get to picking, (laughs) because this field is ready to harvest, and he who reaps then receives wages, that's the first thing. So the first significance that he identifies to this work is that you will receive wages, Uh, That is the reward of the work. It is a rewarding work. And that is you receive wages right now. He speaks then of this aspect of the reward of the blessing that is in this life. Oh, we do a lot of fun stuff. And I do a lot of fun stuff. And you do a lot of fun stuff. And we go places and have fun. We do a lot of fun things. But you know what? There's nothing anywhere any more fun than a sharing Jesus with somebody and seeing them get saved. I mean, what a blessing that is. Oh, what a blessing. And, and, and sometimes we share Jesus with somebody and share Jesus with somebody and share Jesus with somebody and share Jesus with somebody. And then somebody else comes along leading to the Lord. Guess what? It's still a blessing. He that reaps receives wages. That is, God blesses us. And what an incredible blessing we get from being involved in seeing somebody's life change forever. Even if it's somebody that we didn't didn't like very much. Even if it was somebody who, they're not really good people. Even if it's in an unusual place. Even if it's a person we would have never expected. In all my years of ministry, I can absolutely say to you tonight that I've never seen somebody saved that made me mad that he got saved. Not a one. Not a one. We always rejoice when we see people saved. There's a reward that comes to us. It brings joy in our life. We see the effectiveness of our labor. There is a blessing then in this life. We are rewarded. He who reaps receives wages right now. But it's not just for right now. (laughs) Oh, the great humorist Jerry Clower once uh, published. uh, I love Jerry Clower. I did. And, And he put out a tape one time called Ain't God Good. Now, I can't say it like Jerry did. I can't. Uh, But I wore out that eight-track tape listening to those same stories over and over and over and over again on Ain't God Good. It's out there. 
one of the things that he talked about was how that sometimes people get to nitpicking, God's people get to nitpicking, and they don't like this, and they don't like that. And, don't, and this is what that great theologian, Jerry Clower, said. Are you ready? Jerry Clower said, let me tell you what to do. He said, you go out there and find you somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ. You witness to that person and see him get saved. Bring him to church on Sunday morning and walk with him down the aisle and watch that person go in the waters of baptism. And Jerry said, 99% of your nitpicking will be cured. Won't be worried about anymore all the stuff, the little nits that you don't like. You have to be country to know what a nit is to pick, by the way. Uh, but I know, I was very, Nancy used to be his teacher. Uh, but isn't that the truth? Oh, we get so caught up in all these little things that bother us. Meanwhile, people are dying and going to hell out there. And Jesus would tell us, there's a reward. What do you do? When you receive wages, there's a reward. That's a blessing in this life. But also, there's a reward, the blessing in the life to come. You gather fruit for eternal life. Some of the fruit for being involved in this harvest field reaping of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to get an eternity. I guarantee you, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, we will want to have some fruit to lay at his feet. Gathers fruit for eternal life. Simon Peter talked about, he said, I want you to have an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom in 2 Peter chapter 1, because you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful. We don't want to stand before Jesus barren and unfruitful. So not only is the significance found in this life because there are blessings to come uh, when in this life the re we are rewarded in this life by being involved in this harvest, but also there's a reward in the life to come. And then Jesus says something incredible. Because he reminds them that I sent you, he says, to reap. Now, he's just told them to look at the field because it's already ready for harvest. They've come to him saying, Lord, it's time to break for lunch. No, it's not time to eat. It's harvest time. It's time to get busy reaping this field. The field is white unto harvest. Verse 38, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others, plural, have labored and you have entered into, that, into their labors. Who were the others who had labored? It was two of them. Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus and the woman at the well. Who had gathered that crowd of people who were white unto harvest? The woman at the well did. Why did she gather that crowd? Because Jesus had changed her life. Come see a man who told me all things that ever I had done. Is not this the Christ? If we would have walked into that Samaritan village that day and picked out somebody to become a mighty evangelist, it would not have been her. Nobody would have picked her. 
I wouldn't have picked her. You wouldn't have picked her. (laughs) But Jesus did. I must needs go to Samaria. (laughs) Why? I've there's a woman going to be at a well about lunchtime and I want to be there before she got there and he was give me a drink I'll give you living water he that drinks of this water will thirst again but he that drinks of the water that I've given him shall never thirst again oh sir give me this water and he did And she drank deeply of that water of life. And she immediately wanted to give everybody else a drink. Come see him. Is not this the Christ? And they did. Jesus then said, I send you to labor, to gather, rather, to gather, to harvest a field on which you didn't labor. Somebody else had done all the work. And now it's ready for harvest. That's the God we serve. You never know when you're going to walk into that exact situation where God has everything ready. Because God has already been working. Somebody else has already been talking. Something else has already happened. And here is a person who is just ready for the gospel. I send you, Jesus said. To work and to harvest in a field that you didn't work for. You didn't plant it. You didn't fertilize it. You didn't break up that ground. You didn't weed it. But you get to harvest it. The disciples wouldn't have gathered this crowd. And they probably could not even if they had tried. But this woman did gather the crowd. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with him. And he abode there two days. Two whole days out of Jesus' life he spent in this village. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. What they were saying to her is it's not just what you said, because now we know it because of what he said. They had already believed. They had come. They had assembled. But they saw him. And it tells us a little bit of something about the role that we play. We can't save people. You know that. Only Jesus can. If we can get them ready for Jesus to save them. And that's what the woman did. She took her testimony of this encounter she had had with Jesus. Of what Jesus had done for her. She took that testimony and shared it with others. And there that crowd of people gathered together. White and harvest, and many, many believed. Um, you know, you'll look in vain in this story 
for where these people were baptized. You won't find it. <laughs> Believe you me, I've looked and looked and looked. It's not there. It's not there. There was a well in this place for a very good reason. They didn't have any other water supply. And if they were going to baptize them then, I guess they could have maybe got a big trough or something and stretched it out. I don't know. Maybe they did that, but it's just not in the story. Remember, Jesus started this whole thing out by telling the disciples, you think it's not harvest time yet. And in a way, that was true. You say it. It it really wasn't. There was going to come a time when a guy was talking to an an Egyptian, a a man who was a servant, a eunuch, who who served Candace, the queen of Egypt, and he led him to Christ. But before that, he had been in revival in Samaria, baptizing people. (laughs) Where did all that come from? Well, I tell you, I can't prove it, but I kind of believe it. That Jesus saw these people, he ministered to these people, and years later then, when it came, when it was time, that's when the apostles went up and all that baptizing went on and, and people received the Holy Spirit. You remember the story, it's all outlined for us in the book of Acts. Churches would be established and all that would happen. It wasn't time for all that yet. <laughs> but Jesus and this woman was preparing the field. For what would come later. And my how that work would come. As as people just flocked to the message of Jesus Christ. They followed him in baptism. Churches were established. And the Samaritans were evangelized. Tell you what tonight. It's time for us to look at our field. And maybe take a better look at it. Or a longer look at it. To lift up our eyes. You never know when you're standing in a field you didn't think you was. Surrounded by people you didn't think you were. But there you are in a place. Surrounded by people. Who are ready for the truth of the gospel. Would you be ready? Would you be ready? Would I be ready? I have meat to eat that you know not of. Stand together, please.